the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 20, verses 27 through 40, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1634. Luke 20, 27 through 40. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers The first one married a woman and died childless. The second, and then the third, married her. And in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Since the seven were married to her. Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise. For he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to him all are alive. And some of the teachers of the law responded, well said, teacher. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. A couple of scriptures I want to have you meditate on just to hear right now. First one's from Job. We know the story of Job. He writes, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. That is Job 19, verses 25 through 27. But those 
who are considered worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children since they are children of the resurrection. We just heard that in Luke 20, verses 35 through 36. This week, we celebrate a very special holiday. And it isn't Thanksgiving, even though it is a a day to give thanks. And it isn't Independence Day, though it is a day to celebrate freedom. And it isn't Valentine's Day, even though it is a day to think about love. The holiday we celebrate this week is called Veterans Day. And this holiday is celebrated in in many countries around the world. And in some countries it is called Armistice Day. In others it may be called Remembrance Day. But no matter what you call it, It is a day on which we honor the men and women who have served in the military. We also honor those who have died for the cause of freedom. It is a time for us to say thank you for the sacrifices that they have made. It is a time to think about the freedoms that we enjoy because they were willing to serve. It is a time to think about love, the love they showed for their country and for their fellow man. So how do we celebrate Veterans Day? You know, uh, Many people will celebrate it just like they celebrate any other holiday. They will go to the mall and they will go shopping. I'd like to suggest some other ways that we might celebrate, and many of you already do. But it bears saying other ways that we might celebrate this important holiday. Fly a flag in your yard to remind others that this is a day to honor those who have served. Spend some time in prayer. Give thanks to God for those who served to defend the cause of freedom. Those who chose to serve so that we can be here in freedom and safety to worship our God. Observe two minutes of silence. Concentrate on remembering those who have died defending the cause of freedom. Wear a poppy. A poppy, this red flower, 
which is worn in remembrance for those who died for their country. The poppy was chosen because of a poem. The poem was In Flanders Fields, written by John McRae. It's honoring soldiers who died in the fields of Flanders, France, during the First World War. The war that was once, one still is, called the war to end all wars. Flanders Fields, poem goes like this. In Flanders Fields, the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place, and in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly. Scarce heard amid the guns below. Veterans Day is a holiday that we take very seriously, but that doesn't mean that it is time to mope around and be sad, does it? It is a happy occasion indeed. We could be happy that because of the sacrifice of these brave men and women that you and I enjoy great freedom we're experiencing right now. We can also be happy that even though many of these brave soldiers did die in battle, that it is not the end of their story. Here is the rest of the story. Those who had put their trust in God will be raised in will go to be with him in heaven. This is a promise from God's word. Listen once again to these words of the book of Job. My flesh may be destroyed, yet from this body I will see God. I will see him for myself. You know that That promise is not for soldiers alone. It is for you. It is for me as well. It is for all who put their faith and trust in God. And Jesus said, those who are considered worthy of taking part in the resurrection are like the angels. They can no longer die. They are God's children. We are God's children. And one day we will see him. And that'll be a wonderful day. Today's lectionary, the letter to the Thessalonians, and then the gospel according to Luke, are full of conflict and, and full of opposition to Christ. And, and they're a little uncomfortable to hear. But I look at that letter to the Thessalonians in the gospel from Luke, and, and I believe that they read like a, I believe they read like a love letter from a father to his children. And that letter that he is writing to you and to me and all that would hear is a message of hope, a message of comfort, a message of eternal salvation for those who have been given the power to be called children 
of God by what his son did on that cross. It's also a message that Christ will assert judgment upon the lawless, upon those who reject his son. In the letter to the Thessalonians, this loving letter from Paul as a father, he is warning them and he is warning you and me to not be misled or or deceived regarding the second coming of Christ. He is referred, as, as Ken read, that there was a letter that was sent out and it was said or signed I'm taking a little bit of liberty here but it was implied it was from Paul so from Paul or by Paul but it wasn't and it was blasphemy and it was wrong and it was counter to the gospel that Paul had told them before yeah fake news back then And Paul's saying, don't be deceived. And Paul's saying, lean on, trust in what you heard us say. In fact, he also admonishes his hearers that if anyone, including myself, I, Paul, or an angel, proclaims a gospel different than the one that you heard me preach, let him be accursed. He is warning his beloved to be on guard that there is false teaching. There was false teaching then and there is false teaching now. And there will be false teaching in the future. He's telling us and to the hearers of the time to cling to God's word. He's telling us that the only protection that you and I have from this false teaching, from this fake, this counterfeit, the only protection we have is by reading the Bible, by praying based on the Word, by continuing to hear the Word proclaimed. And what is that Word? Christ and him crucified. Period. And Paul comforts us by telling us that Christ will overthrow the Antichrist, the lawless one, the son of perdition. Yes, ma'am. I want to quote something, or rather give you a quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He writes this, and this applies to you and me and this church body, and as we go out after this service to fellowship in the courtyard as we celebrate the 244th birthday of the United States Marine Corps, and as we celebrate along with a member for all the wonderful things that God has provided for family and this country. As we are fellowshipping out there, let us remember these words. Bonhoeffer wrote, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks 
God's word to him or her. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. So what does that mean? Well, here's how the question was asked and answered recently. The person answering says, I like to compare it to, 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 to marriage. Compare what? The Christian needs another, uh, another Christian to speak God's word to him. I like to compare that to a marriage. We might know in our hearts that our spouse loves us. But if we never hear it from them, doubts will inevitably creep in. The I love you from them is stronger than the he or she loves me that's in our hearts. Do you hear that? When, when your spouse when your beloved says, I love you, that is stronger than what is in your heart when you say to yourself, well, of course they love me. I know they love me. It's nice to hear, isn't it? So with Christ, he places others in our lives to speak that external, objective word of love and forgiveness to us. And it can be simple. You've heard me say this. Jesus loves you and so do I. It's not a bumper sticker. It's the truth. It comes in a lot of forms. When we come alongside a brother and says, how are you? And we listen. You all have this need to hear the words that are on your heart, but you need to hear them externally from another brother that you are loved. That to God you are well pleased, and to that person you are loved. And you all have this gift of speaking truth and love to others. You all have this ability. Use it. Lastly, I want to talk a little bit about what uh, Luke is telling us. Again, it's a love letter and it's a warning, and we see Jesus being confronted by the Sadducees. And the Sadducees, uh, <laughs> as silly as it is, they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. They were of an elite group of people, and they loved the law, but they didn't believe in angels, and they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's kind of an important part there. That resurrection, Paul says, if, if it didn't happen, then we are to be pitied amongst all fools. Christ and him crucified. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Christ and him crucified for you who believe. And yet he's having this conversation and they're trying to trick God incarnate. They're trying to trick the author of the Holy Scripture with some crazy mosaic law about brothers having to take up the part of a husband to a wife and they're like, gotcha. And Jesus says, in a very nice way, wow, you fell out of the stupid tree and hit every branch on the way down. 
Because that isn't how eternity works. And he explains it very succinctly that there's not going to be any marriage. It's just not that way. And interestingly enough, at the end, you hear some teachers of the law. Those are the scribes and the Pharisees. And it's the one time that you hear them going, that's right, Jesus. Because they believed in angels and the resurrection. They just didn't believe that he was the Messiah. That's key. Christ and him crucified. And so Jesus gives us a warning. And these two pits, bits of our lectionary scripture tie together. Because you're going to have factions that say, yeah, that part's right. And that part's not. And they miss the boat. And you never really hear about the Sadducees ever again in Luke. But you certainly hear about the scribes and the Pharisees. Why? Because the scribes and the Pharisees had been given the gift of God's word. They had been put in a a holy position of teaching God's word. And they did it wrong false teachers. They were in it for the money. And we know that because Jesus points them out as saying that they are lovers of money. When the little widow gave her two mites, two little not even worth a penny coins, but she gave out of her poverty, whereas the people that are coming around blowing horns saying, look at me, given now. Aren't I something? He's pointing out false teaching, lovers of money, lovers of self. Two weeks ago, we talked about the the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee says, God, I tithe, and oh, I do all these other things that are wonderful, and thanks for making me so wonderful, God. I'm not like that guy over there who was a publican, a Jew, a tax collector. And that tax collector said, Simply, Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus asked, who went away justified? And we know it was not the Pharisee. So how does that tie into you and to me? Well, Jesus tells us that he overcomes the world. Jesus tells us, and he is not vague, Neither is God, that he is the God of the living. Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We know that Job made this declaration, and it's true, that though his body is worn out, though his body has got sores all over it, though his own wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? He stayed with it because of that promise he knows, knew, and is experiencing right now that though that body, though that tent that he is in is worn out and has perished on earth, he will see God again in his own, with his own eyes. That's that resurrection promise. And that's what keeps us going as 
children of the God, the promise that Jesus gave us, the promise that was delivered to us in our baptism, that, that death we died like his in this water, and that resurrection that we experienced like his when we came out of the water, that clothing in Christ that covers us. You were not just baptized. You are baptized. You walk wet. You are part of the faithful that God is talking about here when you will experience that hope and do experience that hope. You will experience that everlasting life no matter what happens to you on this earth. And it's not so good for those that don't. Today we have another gift from him, his true body and his true blood. It was, uh, as you've heard me say before, not nails that held him to that cross. It was love. It was love. And as we remember and give thanks to our military, we remember that uh, they did what they did out of love. Love for each other. and Love for their brother on the right and their left, but it was love. In the name of Jesus. Amen.